Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> immortality people dream of living forever but i don't think they truly know the weight of it the years pass swiftly and the burden of existence presses heavily on your shoulders your regret follows you the ones you love do not there is nothing more frightening than watching everything you love around you die as you live on and on and on becoming another trinket that collects dust The Other Stories presents Bulletproof Part 1 Written by Joanne Askew and narrated by Erica Ventura David used to change into celebrities and get screwed for a thousand bucks by their super fans. They'd show him a picture and he'd be that for them. He'd be anything for them. For the right price. He could change into objects and animals too, but that didn't pay as much as a celebrity game. Myself? I had been killed more times than I cared to count. Each had its price tag, each brought me pain, but as long as I could still stand it, I earned. They called me Bulletproof. David tied the laces on my sneakers as I pulled on a Spice Girls t-shirt. I wore old 90s earth clothes to my daring shows. No point in armor. We were switching out. He had just done his magnificent show of transformation in the circus ring, and I was to do mine. We waited for our show times in a section backstage. It was so dark it made the circus ring seem inviting. Mr. Callahan staged it like that, to make sure we felt our best in front of an audience. Filling the sidelines with rusted seats and dust that could choke a fish was a good tactic. When I was a kid, my dad used to charge his friends to test their weapons out on me. (laughs) They loved the thrill of shooting a little girl in the face. It hardened me, beyond the simplicity that rested in my preppy blue eyes. This was my life. I knew no other. People had tried vintage switchblades, grenades, guns, electric and antique, and once they disintegrated me with acid. I still came back. 
They used everything, from chainsaws to ropes to axes. They never could kill me. I was completely bulletproof. Or, at least I healed faster than any living thing alive. The only thing that killed me was when David was hurt. Now, it was a crowd blood sport, a spectacle. A few hundred people came to the space circus to see me killed over and over again by alien creatures or near-extinct Earth animals. Each time I died, the crowd cheered. I was glad the private bookings were over, or strange old men would bring me expensive gifts before they slit my throat and watch me come back to life. I didn't want to know what they did to me for the few minutes I was dead, but they sure did smile as I came to each time. Try to die quick, David said to me as I checked my makeup. He was silhouetted by the warming lights in the ring. David, they're expecting a show. I squinted at his troubled face. It was the opposite of mine. Serious, heavy, worried, with dark eyes ruling his glare. Shows can be short. He reached out, a caring hand to me. I can't watch you suffer for that long. This isn't like before. There are no private rooms and speedy turnarounds. This is the Callahan Brothers fucking space circus. Stop being so selfish. We don't live the life for that. He mused over my words. He was far too serious to do what he did in the circus. He had honor, and he felt empathy too easily. He couldn't do what I did in the ring. He wouldn't last a single show. He was disappointed a few years back when I told him I liked girls, but since then we've, we've grown closer. He was my brother. The light in the darkness of our lives. Audrey, I know how much it hurts you. If I could take that pain for you, it doesn't hurt anymore. It hasn't for a long time. I was lying. I made my soul bulletproof too. Then what's left that makes you human? I could ask you the same thing, I muttered as he walked off to wipe away the dust of the show ring. When I first met David, we were both teenagers. He had been doing his job for the odd people in the world since he could first transform. He changed into old actors from the Earth years, and sometimes even ancient royal figures, like that red-haired queen from long ago. But mostly it was the famous pilots and explorers that were the toast of the galaxy. People wanted them, to be close to them, to be intimate. On occasion, his clients wanted him to take a beating. I asked him if it hurt. He told me it did, but he pretended it wasn't his body they were doing it to. He saw it as a way to keep people safe. If he could take their place, even for a few instances, then it was worthwhile. He had saved a real person from abuse. A hundred years ago, they used to inject humans with skills, giving them power above mortal man. But they banned it when people started to abuse it. Now, our special skills are natural passed down in the bloodstream from those early adapted humans in the galaxy. We're pretty much one in a million. Some of us save lives, 
Some of us sell tickets. Somewhere down the line, an ancestor of mine abused the hell out of the skill system and pumped our bloodline full of quirky DNA that made me bulletproof. When the offer came to travel the galaxy with the circus, I took it. David did too. He would no longer need to go through private shows, and he would no longer need to face the man who owned our bodies. Our circus ringmaster was Mr. Callahan, and he didn't have a brother. He pretended to care about his acts. I believed him at first, until he asked me to choke myself to death while he had sex with me. Since then, he's had a power over me, like I'm his special little girl. Believe it or not, he was better than our previous master. When it was my time, the lights rose on my pink cheeks. I had that girl-next-door look about me. Blonde, perky... It was better than some of the other acts, the ones who just waved around their tits as their special skill. I could be myself because of what I could do. The crowd cawed as I waved, like a flock of scavengers waiting to descend. I spat on the ground. It was sand, red, imported from Mars. Mr. Callahan had gone there himself to get it. The ring was made from recycled metal probably from abandoned science stations on planets that had gone bad. There was a dome of glass above us all. It let us see the entire galaxy. But the ceiling was not the reason the punters came. I raised my arms and they screamed. When I reached the middle of the circled ring, I tied my hair back. They went silent, knowing it was part of my routine. And when the beast approached me from the shadowy tunnels that led to our underground monster prisons, they screamed again, this time with the pure joy of Christmas. The creature approached quickly. I considered letting myself go early this round for David, but it was the first show of the night and I had energy. It was silver or gray I'm not sure of the difference, or if one is shinier than the other. This one was shiny. I could see the reflection of the overhead stars in its tough exoskeleton. Its front two legs were longer than its back two, like it was a propped-up toy. I looked into its eyes the moment before it struck me. They were as dark as the universe, but there was a shine that told me the creature didn't deserve to be there. I had seen this look in the eyes of my executioners a thousand times before, and I had learned to ignore it, or else it would tear my heart apart. I grunted as my chest took the full weight of the monster. My collarbone cracked, piercing the muscle beneath. My skin immediately turned black, then blue, then purple, before the bruising faded and I healed. The creature gave me a moment whilst I reset my collarbone and stretched my arm out. Then it came at me again. This time, teeth appeared from its sad mouth and it roared, or yelled. I wasn't sure how sentient she was. I imagined the useless pain that would come when her teeth snapped my head clean from my body. But I figured it would be quicker that way. I strode up to her and she seemed to calm. The tense crowd had quieted down and now sat at the edge of their seats, waiting for the beast to strike. I hadn't fought this one before, but it seemed like she had already given up on everything she knew, 
like the prisons below the deck of our flying circus had become too much for her, and she was done, her dark glare full of weight and worry. A strange silver-black liquid pooled at her eyes, her head lowered as if she was guiding her tears to the red sand beneath her feet. When the tears dropped, she lifted her bulbous head and roared again. The crowd livened and a chant began. Kill her, they chanted multiple times. Before the creature took their advice, she approached me slowly, with no malice or conviction in her gait. Then she stretched her jaw, measuring up my neck. A unique thought crossed my mind. I could not escape this life. I knew that. I'd be around for centuries, being killed over and over. There was no end for me. But for her, she could taste the sweet sleep that released us. This show would be different. I would kill her. I would free her. As she darted at me, teeth wide with duty, I dodged. The crowd loved it. The longer they waited, the better the gratification of my death. The creature with her silver withers and eyes that held a universe shook her head and reset her jaw for her next attack. I had no weapons. That would take away from the innocence I portrayed. But I had something more. I had limbs that grew back within minutes. The next time she charged, there were more tears in her eyes. I dodged but threw my arm back into her sight. She went for it, tearing it right from its socket. The pain didn't bother me, but the blood that covered every inch of red sand in the ring distracted me. I slipped and fell to my knees. I reached out for the twitching arm that had just been a part of me and clasped onto my own fingers, pulling my arm towards me. The crowd quieted again, not knowing what to expect as I brought myself back to my feet, armed. When she charged for the final time, I was ready. My body felt uneven. I had to lean more to the right side to make up for the lost weight of my left arm. My weapon slipped in my grip, the wet blood saturating every inch of purchase I tried to get. But her eyes begged for her own end. As her jaws opened, I leapt forward and rammed my amputated limb down her windpipe. She struggled and an echoing cry rang across the circus. Mr. Callahan leaned forward in the front row. His face was rocky, like he knew he had to discipline me, but couldn't in front of the crowd. As the creature's cries gradually faded to nothing, I turned to the crowd and raised my remaining arm. There was a moment of silence as they became transfixed on the fleshy nubbin on the other side, which would become my new arm protruding from the edge of the Spice Girl's tee. Then they cheered for what I had done. The beast had taken its last breath and was free. I turned to the poor thing, wanting to pay my respects and wish her well in whatever afterlife she wanted. But only David's body lay in the bloody sand. His dark, worried eyes open, but lifeless. 
He had wanted to end my suffering quickly tonight. The crowd cheered louder than they had ever done. And my heart was torn apart permanently. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Bulletproof, written by Joanna Skew, narrated by Erica Ventura, edited by Carl Hughes of music by Andrew K.N. and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading, and to Ben Arrington who keeps scoring 300s in the 10-pin bowling game of social media posts. Science fiction and horror writer Joanna Skew explores mental health, sexual identity and diversity through her fiction. The deepness and darkness of space is her second home. As an LGBTQIA activist, she aims to use her fiction to make the world a better place for the next generation to come out in. Her sci-fi horror novella, Sloth, is out now. For more information, head over to jaskewauthor.com. Erica Ventura is an artist, mother, narrator and a husbandry technician. How does she manage it all? No idea, but her artwork can be seen on her Instagram, at E-F-V-E-N-T-U, or you can visit her artist page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash bioartsy. If you'd like to write for The Other Stories, we're currently open for submissions over at theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. You can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club, movie club and writing exercises at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. You can grab t-shirts, mugs, posters, comic books and courses over at gumroad.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. The Other Stories and Bulletproof is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time.